It has been one crazy ride ever since March, March, easy for me to say, March 13th showed up on our calendars, folks. That was the first day of the NFL open season, if you will. Now, it's the worst kept secret in National Football League because what do you think they're doing at the Combine? They're not sitting there watching Tim Tebow, you know, try to run a 40-yard dash. I mean, they do that once, but some of the best negotiating is going on in the hallways and in the low, dark, airing, lying places of Lucas Oil Stadium. That's where it starts. A lot of the biggest signings in this free agent period happened the Monday, and it wasn't really technically supposed to happen until Wednesday, but I'm quite happy with what happened with my team. We'll go through a lot of the different signings in a very busy first week of the NFL free agent frenzy period. Uh, We can certainly talk about that. There's been some news today as we're broadcasting here on Monday, the 18th of March. There's been some news in the National Football League. We'll get you caught up real real quick on that. And I think unless you have access to something more than I do right now, the biggest news I think of the day is the Cincinnati Bengals finally cutting ties with Vontaze Perfect. He was suspended by the NFL to start the 2016, the 2017, and the 2018 season. You see a pattern here. And uh, finally, I think the Browns, excuse me, the Bengals, the Browns, the Bengals have finally said enough is enough. That is probably the biggest name to uh, be in the transaction wires today, and it wasn't for a good thing. I think somebody picks him up, though. For sure, somebody picks him up. But it's on a one-year prove-me deal till he gets his head out of his ass and plays in the first game of the season without being suspended. Somebody will pick him up. There's always a, I always use this name, but there's a Daniel Schneider or Jeffrey or uh, Jerry Jones or some lunatic out there that will take him. He can play, but there's something wrong in between his ears. I don't care. There's something wrong. Yeah, with well, guy. actually, to be honest, one of the things wrong between his ears is that he's had seven concussions and he's not even 29 yet. There you go. That's part of it. That's but, probably part of it. But uh, I follow Jay Morrison on Twitter. He's a uh, beat writer for the Bengals because, you know, the Bengals, growing up, if I had to pick a team, they were kind of my team. Well, like you like them. their jerseys. I like their jerseys yeah. and I like orange. So, right. I mean, right. I was I, I was kind of like them. But so uh, I know it's not free form Friday, but uh, here here's what Jay Morrison said today. On Twitter, Burfick will be 29 in September. He's at seven concussions to go along with all the discipline issues and hasn't played a full 16-game season since 2013. Right there. Does that sound like an off outside linebacker for the Green Bay Packers named Nick Perry? Yeah, That's exactly. exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. And then someone else was saying, you know, trying to make excuses. Some random person was trying to make excuses for Burfick. And then Jay Morrison came back with, Sorry, but groin strikes, ankle twisting, spearing, stomping, kicking, and blowing up defenseless players 30 yards away from the play are not part of playing football. And I understand it. Look, as soon as I saw the news that it broke today, I don't even remember who it was, although it might have been your buddy Tom Pelissero, but somebody was tweeting about it, and I immediately responded, How long till the Raiders pick him up? <laughs> And I'm dead serious. I just, to me, this has Raiders written all over it. I think what's going on is when John Gruden says he wants to take the Raiders back to 1998, he's just not, he's not just talking about the play calling and smash mouth football (laughs) or whatever the fuck, but he's also talking about that attitude. He's talking about the old, like the Raiders, Raiders, you know, like where it's just, you know, it's really, really, uh, it's almost like slap shot for hockey you know what i mean it's like Mm -hmm. that and you're getting guys like that and you can kind of see it it's like the philadelphia flyers in the 
in the NHL, even today, but especially in the 70s, let's say, the Broad Street Bullies. It's like that. Like, it's just, I think John Gruden loves that stuff, and he just would love to see guys get in fist fights and have a lot of fun. So as soon as I saw this, I just said, you know what? Raiders, all the way. I think uh, Perfect's going to the Raiders, in my opinion. The Miami Dolphins have a new quarterback as they start what seems oh, to be is going to be about sakes. a nine-year rebuilding uh, process down in South FLA, but the Dolphins have come to an agreement with quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick on a two-year deal. Now, let's sit here and think about this for a minute. I remember Ryan Fitzpatrick originally, I believe, with as a backup for the Rams. And then he's been with, oh, I don't even know how many damn teams. He's been uh, the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Bills, the Jets, the Bucks, The Bengals. The Bengals. Titans. The Titans. Jets. Did Jets. You, you I think Jets? I think I said Jets? the Jets. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, no, he's been on. I think know. this is going to be like his ninth team, at least. Yeah. 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 I think we got. I think we did this last year. He was on seven or eight. Seven or eight. I yeah, think now, this now, will be now his ninth team. Yeah. Crazy. Two year deal for Ryan Fitzpatrick. They, if you didn't know or don't care, they traded Ryan Tannehill over the weekend to the Tennessee Titans to back up Marcus Mariota. Um. I don't know if that other idiot from Denver, um, oh, what was his blessed name? The girls love him. Brock Osweiler. Is he still on their <laughs> the girls roster? Love him. I don't know. I have no idea, but they don't have a legitimate NFL quarterback. And even though they are in a rebuilding period in South FLA, uh, I guess you still need somebody to take snap from center. So Ryan Fitzpatrick is the guy for the Miami Dolphins. One of the real class acts in the National Football League after 13 seasons with the Ravens, Lions, and the Philadelphia Eagles, nose tackle Haloti Nagata has announced his retirement over the weekend. And coincidentally enough, he announces his retirement from the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, claiming that he is retiring while on top. <laughs> now that's the way to do it. Yeah. yeah. So he's got a ring. Congratulations. And uh, I do have to mention this, and Chris is doing me a little work. I'm doing a little favor here for me as he's looking up to see the bigger names as we can kind of quickly go through some of the bigger names that were signed to uh, overpriced <laughs> free agent deals over the course of last week. We'll get to that in a minute. But I've got to wonder what the hell the Mara family is doing in in regard to the Giants, Okay. First they trade, and, and we all know from last year's performance after a 3-13 and season that it looked like this was going to be a rebuilding year in New York. Obviously, it is now going to be when you trade, and I don't like the guy, but you trade Odell Beckham Jr. You just signed him to the big contract extension last year. Now he goes to AFC North Power, the Cleveland Browns. The Giants will have two first-round picks in the end of April draft. They got one of them in that deal for OBJ to Cleveland. But I have to wonder when you hear stupid shit like this from Giants current general manager Dave Gettleman, who says that the Giants can still win while rebuilding. And first of all, I want to make sure that Gettleman gets in for an early piss test because he's smoking something that we should all be enjoying. And second of all, how do you suppose to do that, Mr. Gettleman, when... Does Saquon Barkley play defense and special teams as well as being your all-pro running back? You don't have enough weapons. Now, you are in a weak division. You are in the Philadelphia Eagles and everybody else in the NFC East. But still, how do you plan on being competitive 
with a near 40-year-old quarterback. I think Eli's at least 39. He was 38 last year, and I'm not a math major, but you add one year, that makes him 39. He goes in as your starting quarterback, and and, and outside of Saquon Barkley, to the regular Joe Fan, I'm not putting you in the in the class of Joe Fan. I know you could do this, but name me somebody else that starts on offense for the New York Giants. It's almost as hard to do it on the defensive side now that they let Olivier, what's his face, Vernon, Vernon, in a trade also with the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they are clearly doing a Miami Dolphin uh, wholesale re recalibrating everything in New York. And the general manager comes out and says he expects or thinks that they can still win some football games. He's as dumb as he is ugly. Boy, there are a lot of things I have problems with in uh, all the stuff you brought up there. And we'll get to Fitzmagic uh, later on here. But man, if, if I, I need, you know what it is, you know, when you're growing up and your mom says like, Oh, uh, you know, if you don't have anything nice, don't say anything at all. Right. So, so I was just trying to think, if we're being fair, I, I thought of one nice thing I can say about the Giants. They, they're they they're doing a good job of revamping their horrible offensive line. Yeah. Because when they did trade Olivier Vernon, they did get Kevin Zeitler. We, who, you can, oh, that's right. From right? Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Uh, Kevin Zeitler. Arguably the best. Go- like, he and Zach. Like, you could probably. I'd probably put Zach Martin and Kevin Zeitler as my starting guards on my, like, dream current NFL team. I agree like, with that. Like I also awesome. I can also name their left tackle as the guy they got from New England in free agency last year. Nate Nate Solder. There, there they go. Yeah, there. absolutely. And they just signed another guy the other day who seems good. And so they're doing a good job revamping the offensive line. Now, now that we've gotten that out of the way and we can <laughs> say what a fucking moron Dave Gettleman's being here, let's let's just let's just use his own words. Sure. How about that? Perfect. Okay. We didn't sign Odell to trade him, but things change. Another team made an offer we couldn't refuse. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Odell Beckham was a first round pick. Mm-hmm. So when you trade him for a first round pick, you don't know for sure that first round pick's gonna be amazing like just every first round pick's amazing because they sure as heck aren't but in this case okay let's say even if this next one's good so you haven't gained anything by trading him for first round pick so what else did you get you got jabril peppers who was in his own right a first round pick 25th overall in 2017 Mm -hmm. who was terrible in his first year was better this past year but the only reason you're getting him is to replace Landon Collins, who you just let go for no reason. And then all you're getting beside that is a third-round pick. That's an offer you can't refuse. If you're shopping a guy, yeah. then I could see that trade. But for you have a superstar, whether you like him or not, whether you like his right, antics, right, whether right. he's a cancer locker, he's still a superstar. He's one of the biggest names in the NFL. He really would really like him or not. He I, just I, is. Yep. He is, right? So for, to, to say that that's an offer you can't refuse when it's for basically just what you used to get Odell in the first place, plus a third rounder and a first rounder who may or may not end up being okay, is crazy. I don't know what Gettleman was thinking here. This was totally inexcusable as far as I'm concerned. It was really just a slap in the face of the fan base. If you are going to trade a superstar, and I know this as an Oilers fan, you have to be really, really respectful and careful how you do it. You should never be cavalier about this. This is a serious thing. This is th- when I heard this. I've never cared about the Giants at all, and I just felt really bad for New York Giants fans. I mean, this is just ridiculous. You can't treat your fan base like this. They're going down to the Jets level. 
Yeah, and the, and Jets, the Jets might be surpassing yes. them. Oh, the Jets are going to be better than the Giants this year, other than the you know the Giants O line if they're a miracle or something. But uh, actually, it was funny too because now the next part I'm going to talk about is good old Eli, which we're going to use more of Gettleman's words against him. It was funny too, and I, I was going to say this for free for him Friday, but the Onion had a hilarious headline, and uh, just off the top of my head, it was something like. Uh, Giants hoping to draft a quarterback that can mentor Eli Manning, and <laughs> and uh, I love the idea. yeah. So anyway, anyway, okay. Let's see what Gettleman has to say about Eli because there's been a lot of talk. Are Gettleman and head coach Pat Shermer on the same page with Eli? It sounds like you know maybe one likes and one doesn't. Here's Gettleman on offense. You gotta have a QB run out there. This narrative that Eli is overpaid and can't play is a crock. It really is. And then he defended the way that Eli quote. Uh, finished the season, there really wasn't a decision to make. Yes, there fucking is a decision to make. Eli's 37. He's gotten worse every year. He doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't take the long shots. He doesn't take chances. He's not only gotten worse, but he's also regressed in terms of his how risk-averse he is himself. And it's ridiculous to have still him have him out there and to not have a solid backup plan. Now, I fully expect that they are going to take the guy who should be the first quarterback off the board, who won't be, Dwayne Haskins, and they friggin' better. But uh, either way, whether they do or not, the fact that they haven't been grooming a guy for years is totally irresponsible and once again is disrespectful of the fan base, frankly, in New York. And the Mara family, I'm glad you brought them up because uh, they need to step in here. This is totally inexcusable. And if I was a fan of the New York Giants, I would be burning my jersey right now. Well, and you're, and it's a train wreck. And remember, this is only year two. This is only year two of the Gettleman slash Pat Shermer regime in New York. And uh, they're screaming for help. I I can't. And, you know, you hear me say this a lot if you are a frequent listener of Unscripted, and I certainly hope that you are. But that's one of the bell cows. That's one of the main attractions of the National Football League. One of the big, you know, that's one of the marquee franchises. That's up there with the Steelers and the Patriots and the Packers and the 49ers and the Rams. Those marquee ones that have been around for a long, long, the Chicago Bears, as much as it pains me to say, the Chicago Bears, those are the bell cow franchises. And when one of them isn't doing well, and it's being seemingly run into the ground. And remember, folks, the Mara family, for years, the father, John Mara, was the head of the competition committee in the National Football League. This is a very prominent family. This is like the Roonies in Pittsburgh. Um, this is like, well, until his little indiscretion in a rub and tub in Jupiter, Florida, this is the crafts in New England. Okay. This is royalty in the national football league. This is like the Hallises or now, of course, the McCaskies in Chicago. And, um, there's something wrong in New York. And again, the sad thing about it, this is only year two of the Gettleman and Pat Shermer regime in New York. Holy balls. That's a long way to go. Well, hey, if only they had an example to follow of a team that's a marquee franchise in a marquee city who is going to do a rebuild for once and respected their fan base by writing them a letter and saying, we're doing a rebuild. Oh, yeah, that's right. They're called the New York Rangers, and they're in the same city as you are. You know, watch and learn next time. Anyway, want to do some signings here? Yeah, I really do. And I first want to, and and I want you to load up uh, whatever you want to, but I do need to make one quick mention here. All I've been hearing, and I got to tell you, this is this goes out to the Packer Nation. I don't know how long, and I've been leading the cheers about how disappointed I've been over the years in regard to Ted Thompson's aversion to free agency. He called it always 
rummaging through somebody else's garbage. Well, you know what? When you draft as poorly as Ted Thompson has, and this week, or this weekend, I should say, signified the complete last member of Ted Thompson's 2015 draft class, inside linebacker Jake Ryan from Michigan. He signed on the dotted line with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the whole nine-man draft class of the 2015 Green Bay Packers are gone. Every one of them. Traded, released, shot, I don't know. Signed somewhere else. So there isn't anybody on the Packers' 53-man roster right now from the class of 2015. That's four years ago, folks. Every one of that draft class should be in their primes right about now. But they're going to be in primes on somebody else's roster. All I've been hearing about is the Packers' inability or no want or whatever it is or their aversion to free agency. Well, now we get a general manager that promises some action because he's got a shitload of holes to fill. And now what does Brian Gutekunst do? He goes out and does it, and now you're bitching that he spends too much money. Make up your mind, Packer fans. We travel well. The history is there. There used to be a dynamic about playing in Lambeau Field. I think Mike McCarthy kind of screwed that up a little bit, but we need to reestablish how difficult it is to play in Lambeau Field on any given Sunday or Sunday, uh, Monday or Thursday or whatever. Um, but I'm a little disappointed to hear these Packer fans because now the guy goes out and does what we all need to do. We brought in two younger defensive ends, outside linebackers. We brought in a younger version of Clay Mathers and a much more healthy and better uh, Nick Perry on both ends to apply some pressure on you people and they spent too much money. Well, let me tell you, folks, don't bitch about Amos, the safety from the Bears. Enjoy it for two reasons. A, they got him from the Bears. B, they screwed the Bears, and he is the best safety the Packers have had for quite a long time. That is an excellent signing. Adrian Amos, I believe, that's an excellent signing by Brian Gutekunst. The two young defensive ends, excellent signings by Brian Gutekunst. If you're going to play in the free agency waters, you're going to have to spend some money. And the Packers now, the benefactor of all this, is now the Packers, when the when the draft comes, now we can go in there with a much more open mind. We don't have to just solidify a rush end or a rush pass rusher. We've done that through free agency. Now let's concentrate on some of the other holes that we have to fill. We have become instant credibility. We've become, in the, I believe, in the NFC North with a healthy Rodgers and with a few more additions, we can legitimately compete again in the NFC North. And if you're all worried about Aaron Rodgers' how many years he's got left in the prime years, think about it this way. You're paying him $134 million starting this year. So we better put as many pieces as we can around him and make another Super Bowl run. Yeah, I love the Adrian Amos signing. I love, What a day for the Packers that was. Three great defensive players all in the same afternoon. A terrible old lineman to go with it, but... Uh, uh, I guess we'll see how that he's, goes. Well, he's still better than what they have off the scrap heap. Well, so. I guess. But yeah, Adrian Amos, I'm going to predict right now that in each game against the Bears this year, that he's going to get at least one interception. He's going to be ready for Trubisky for sure. He's a smart player. And then you've got the Smiths, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith being signed as well. 
And uh, I love all those signings. And I think if you're Aaron Rodgers, I think that it shows that, hey, this team is serious. You don't want to make guys feel like, you know, your division mate, Detroit Lions made Barry Sanders and Megatron feel like you want to show that, hey, you know, we are serious about winning. I don't know what's been happening recently, but we're going to do it this year. We're going to do our best. And I think if you're Aaron Rodgers, you've got to say, hey, you know what? If you look at that day of signings, okay, they're, they're, they're trying to get things done. And this is not the Ted Thompson team anymore. Thank God. Yes. Okay. So... Uh, the only other signing, the only other, the only other news I should say from today, uh, there was a signing today, and it was uh, the Redskins signed offensive tackle Eric Flowers to one year, four million dollars. Uh, former uh, ninth overall pick. Giants. Uh, of the tw- yeah. yeah of the Giants yeah so yeah uh, so he gets to stay in the division there, um, but yeah I don't know he just uh, yeah he just hasn't been that good. He actually was playing somewhere else last year. I forget where it was now. But uh, he was drafted by the Giants, and uh, I think they tried him out in ja- Jacksonville, I think he went to briefly. But um, yeah, he hasn't looked good. But look, you have a young guy, top 10 pick from the uh, 2015 draft, speaking of the 2015 draft, and one year, $4 million. I like that as a... I, uh, yeah, good, good value pick there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prove it contract. Another uh, prove it contract, one year, $5 million for uh, Bashad Breland, former Packer, going to the Kansas City Chiefs, and they need the help. And uh, a guy who... It doesn't seem to be anything special. Um, Teams would often target him when he was on Washington instead of having to throw to Josh Norman, um, right, on Washington. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. They always, so they'd pick on him. And so he's not the the greatest and he's been hurt a lot, but one year, five million, again, um, you know, not much to worry about there. Here's one I don't like. Okay, so... Now, this ended up being a brilliant trade, and I loved it as soon as I saw it. Remember when Jimmy Graham was tearing it up for the Saints, and then ever since then, you know, and he always gets good quarterbacks. He goes to Seattle, Russell Wilson goes to Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, sucks. It was just Drew Brees just knows what to do with this guy. And do you remember what they traded? Max Unger. Max Unger and a first-round pick for Jimmy Graham was the trade. And now when I saw that— First-round pick, too? Yeah. A first-rounder and Pro Bowl center Max Unger— for Jimmy Graham, for superstar fantasy football. And, and Jimmy. didn't Unger retire this weekend? Yes. That's what I'm leading to, yeah, okay. right? Now, I when I saw that, I thought it'd be good because if if they if Seattle knew how to scheme with Jimmy Graham and if they would have had him be as successful with Russell Wilson as he was with Drew Brees, that would have been scary with when Seattle's coming off those back-to-back Super Bowl appearances. And yeah, that could have been great. But in the end, no, they got a Pro Bowl center who had a great run in New Orleans, and he has retired. Now, the problem here is that the Saints have signed a gentleman named uh, Nick Easton, who is a very low-rated guy who missed, I think, pretty much all of last year. He was from the Vikings, uh-huh. just a random O-lineman, and he's not. he doesn't always play center. Now they've signed him to four years, $24 million to play center, and he's got injury problems, and he's not a natural center necessarily. It doesn't make any sense. Usually, you don't hear a lot about the Saints making bad moves. No, you don't. You don't. You they're, don't. they're a good friend. They're a sharp Mickey franchise. Mickey Loomis is one of those, one of those above-board general managers that yeah. just doesn't seem to piss money away and i think this this is a, this one's got a few red flags for me yeah unless they know something we don't but even then why would you have to pay him right. six million times four don't get that at all uh the steelers have signed uh, mark Barron of the rams two years 12 million just an average signing for a linebacker and then we come to the one that mike brought up earlier and I don't mind this guy. Uh, certainly not. I nearly. I have, I have nowhere near the negative feelings that Mike has shown for this gentleman over the years. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, two years, eleven million. 
I don't mind Ryan Fitzpatrick. The problem is this signing makes absolutely no sense and shows how stupid the Miami Dolphins are because no matter what happens, this signing is going to look dumb. If Fitzpatrick does well on the worst team in the league, the team that's 300 to one to win the Super Bowl and has the fourth least cap space somehow, <laughs> if, it, if you come into that situation, even if he does well, so what are they going to do? Just get a crappy pick. They're not going to win the Super. They're not going to do anything. If he's terrible, well, you could have just had a terrible quarterback and paid him hardly anything. Mm -hmm. And if it would have been a guy with great upside or some rookie that maybe has a potential, maybe no one's heard of, then at least maybe you hit with him and he ends up being a superstar, ends up being like Russell Wilson, where nobody expected he'd be nearly that good at the pro level. So no matter how you slice it, this signing is stupid and makes no sense. Why it's more than one year is crazy as well. It's not insane for a starting quarterback in general per year, but it just makes no sense at all. Does it not make the Miami Dolphins look like a Bush League franchise? Well, I've got a couple, of, and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right in regard to the Dolphins. Um, I think it also says a lot about the current status of the Miami Dolphins when Teddy Bridgewater wants to stay in New Orleans as the backup to Drew Brees than to go down home to his hometown of Miami to play for the Dolphins and be, obviously, number one. I think that says a lot. I also have to say this. I think of all the free agent signings or trades or whatever, all the activity that has happened since last Monday, realistically, the 11th, since last Monday when we were together last, one of the real signings that I think people need to watch out for involves the Miami Dolphins, and that is Cameron Wake, leaving Miami and going to Tennessee. I think that's a great signing. I think we have been, obviously, we don't know much about, a lot of people don't know much about Cameron Wake. Came down from the CFL, has been an all-pro for the Dolphins, but he gets kind of lost because the Dolphins are just so, you know, they're just there's nothing spectacular about them. That's going to be an under-signing rating, I a, a, a underrated signing, I believe, is Cameron Wake. I think he's a good football player, and now he could potentially be playing for something with a team that has aspirations of, of, of making a playoff run. So I think right now the Dolphins have kind of become the old Cleveland Browns, the old Los Angeles Clippers, kind of the old Chicago White Sox, kind of nondescript and kind of laughable at. That's what I think. I know, but I mean, if you can, you, I just can't send these teams that are, it's like they're kind of trying to win, but barely, and they're not going to do anything except screw themselves out of a great pick. I mean, if you're going to just commit to tanking or commit to being the best, that's fine. But yeah, just to be nondescript, like this is ridiculous. Again, in fairness, I, I, always, I like to be really fair with teams and try to say something nice because then when I really tee off on someone or some team, they got it coming. Then, then I mean, I think I have more credibility, maybe slightly. But I like that they got rid of Tanhill. They were going to cut him. I think he's useless, and they were able to send him to Tennessee for and get something for him, which they, you know, which is better than nothing. Uh, they got more than I thought they would. I think they downgraded a sixth to a seventh, but then got a fourth. So that I was like, wow, I can't believe they got that much for him. And I do like that Tennessee thought, hey, we should actually have a real backup quarterback, not, you know, uh, not not someone like Clipboard Jesus like they used to call him when they had Zach Mettenberger, who, by the way, this here's a segue for you. Zach, Zach Mettenberger was playing in Memphis, turned yep. his ankle, and now all of a sudden Johnny Manziel gets to waltz back in and get, you know, his ninth live 
And uh, here we go with... Playing the... for your favorite coach, Mike Singletary. Oh, jeez. That's a great combination. <laughs> Dumb and dumber. Can you imagine them going out for drinks? You know, like, like oh man, like, like, do you like punching chicks or kicking them better? I like punching. I like kicking them. All right. Good. Can you imagine those two? Just psycho assholes. I've got, I've got a question here for you. Uh, um, this kind of goes back to your comment about John Gruden, because I'm, I'm wondering this a little bit, and this has a Green Bay twist to it. Former Green Bay wide receiver Jordy Nelson today visited with the Seattle Seahawks Mm -hmm. after being released this weekend by the Oakland Raiders, his former employer. But I found this hilarious that three other teams have asked Jordy Nelson for a meeting. You want to know who the three teams are? Uh, I, I'm good. I, I haven't heard any of this. No, I, I, I knew I knew he was visiting with the Seahawks. He visited the Seahawks. Uh, I'm today. Gonna, I'm actually going to guess. Yeah. Are they all in the NFC North? Nope. Oh, okay. I thought you. That's what you're saying. Okay, Packers. Nope. Oh, really? Nope. Interesting. That's been a big topic in Green Bay, but yeah, so far the Packers have not, have not have not have uh, not bitten bite whatever. They've not you'd bit think, on that. You'd one. think Aaron would want him back. Well, um. You know, he's he's uh, strictly in the slot now. He can't outrun anybody anymore. He's coming up on 34 years old. Um, okay, uh, you know where I picture, and I, I'm not really expecting this to be one, but this is the type of, like, reclamation project that Bill Belichick likes Bingo. to do. there's one of them. Is it really? Well done. You yeah. know what? You, you get these guys that are older, and then Bill Belichick will get them, and it's not that Bill Belichick is ever saying... Oh, I'm just, I'm stupid and I'm just living, I'm just looking at what these guys used to do. He knows that they might be good at one or two things and he will use them correctly. Right. Right? Like if he thinks that Jordan Nelson has good hands, he'll probably be like, well, this guy can be a possession receiver for us. And Tom Brady loves 10 and 12 yard crossing patterns, this whole secret to his success. So, I mean, Jordan Nelson can be that Mm -hmm. Danny Amendola, that Julian Edelman in uh, the Patriots. That's a great fit for him. Uh, The other two, boy... Uh, no one else is jumping out at two, me. Here's your here's your clue. Mm-hmm. The other two are in the same division. AFC North. It's not the AFC North. No. It's not the NFC North. What what division? Would you tell me the division? I'll try and guess. AFC West. AFC West. Well, it can't be the Raiders because he was. Just... It can be the Raiders have asked for a meeting with Jordy Nelson after they've released him. That doesn't make any sense. I, well, that's what I'm at. That's what I'm saying to you. Who's running the asylum? We're trying to give proper kudos to Mike Mayock. They released this guy on the weekend, and now they've asked for a potential meeting with Jordy. What? The other team is the Chiefs. Chiefs. I was going to say Chiefs for sure is the second choice. He met with the Seahawks today, and the Patriots, Chiefs, and supposedly the Raiders have asked for a meeting with Jordy now. Why in the hell would you do that? You could renegotiate. He's under contract with the Raiders. He is under, so they could negotiate with him. And if they, you know, if they negotiate saying, listen, Jordy, for you to come back, we need you to play at this number next year. Restructure the contract. You don't have to go through all this bullshit. I just can't understand. This makes the Raiders look silly. It makes the Raiders look stupid. You release a guy and then ask for a meeting. That's a little, that's a little disturbing. Yeah, you know what it... Randall Cobb also today, just so you know, had a meeting with the Cowboys. I saw that too. Didn't yeah. go anywhere. No. Uh, I, th- I would have to guess that... Me- now, when did Jordy 
get released and how did that coincide with Mayock being hired? Was that before? Jordy was was like either Friday or Saturday of this last week, just a couple days ago. Jordy was officially released. Well, okay, so Mayock was there. So Mayock was in was was on the payroll. I I think what that must be if we're if we're really trying to see what's going on there cuz Mike Mayock isn't stupid. So what I have to think happened there is they must have a completely different idea. Maybe they let him go and maybe they thought, "Well, you know what? He's looking for work." We could bring him back, number one, really cheap, and number two, in a totally different way. So we'd have to talk to him not only about are you willing to take a you know way less money, but also are you comfortable being a third or fourth receiver, for example. Maybe it's something like that. But So maybe they're like, oh, maybe just reach out to him, see if he'd be still cool with stuff. But they should have done this before they let him go, just so they would know. But uh, maybe something changed or something else. But Why couldn't you have had this conversation when he was still under contract yeah, well, saying, with your though. team and you don't come out looking like a bunch of idiots? Yeah. Really yeah. makes somebody in Raiderville look like an idiot. Yeah, well, but now, now the reason I knew the other one would be the Chiefs when you said the AFC West was because now Tyreek Hill is in trouble. Correct. Yeah. So now, okay, they're big, other than Mahomes, of course, their big star players are were Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill. Kareem Hunt gets uh you know in trouble for uh you know going after a girl and then so they let him go so cleveland just picks him up then he gets eight games and he's going to be back halfway into the season and the browns got him for free if you're the chiefs what do you do here like you i don't know if idealism is gonna rule the day here because if they're just like oh we'll just let tyree kill go now too it'll probably be the same thing i'm a little bit concerned about the chiefs I know that they're going from a 3-4 under former defensive coordinator Bob Sutton, who was fired, and rightfully so, at the end of last year. They're now going to a 4-3 under Steve Spagnolo. But you couldn't find a place for both or maybe even one of between D. Ford and Justin Houston. You get rid of both of them. And I also believe with D. Ford coming to San Francisco, along with that linebacker they got from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if they can keep Jimmy Garoppolo healthy, 49ers are going to be the biggest threat to the to the Rams in the NFC West, yeah. I believe. I yeah. truly believe that. No, I, I agree. Um, another signing, actually, you bring up changing between 3-4 and 4-3. Speaking of that, that actually reminded me of this one, which is coming up next year. Uh, the Giants have signed Marcus Golden. So this is actually a good signing that the Giants did make. So the Giants are doing so much work, and a lot of it is stupid, but they've made a couple good moves like the O-line. And, and now this one I'd forgotten about till I saw this on the list here. But defensive end, outside linebacker Marcus Golden, one year, $3.75 million, dirt cheap for a really good player. He just had a couple bad years. The first 2017 was bad because he got hurt. And then 2018... Uh, they moved to a 4-3, and that's just not good for him. So now he's going back to a 3-4 in New York, and uh, I, plus he's played for James Betcher before the D.C. So uh, I think that's actually a pretty good signing, and so that, that one could be interesting. One I really, really like is in Denver. The Broncos signed Bryce Callahan, three years, $21 million. This is an A-plus signing as far as I'm concerned. The Bears had this amazing defense. The Bears perhaps are not who we thought they were because they, they were having a great defense. All of a sudden, Callahan's gone. Amos is gone. What's going on with the Bears? I, I don't care, first and well, foremost. I not. don't care. And they also brought in HaHa Clinton Dix, and so we know how fun that's going to be when the Packers and the Bears meet next year, and it looks like it's going to be opening day on that Thursday night, you know, commemorating the 100th season of the National Football League. But... Um, I, I don't know what's going on with the Bears. Going back to Denver, though, I do, I do, I do want to discuss this real quick because we're running a little long here. But 
I do want to run this by you. Denver had offensive line issues last year. Yes. Well documented. Yes. And how in the hell do you let a guy go to Green Bay? He may not be everybody's idea of the biggest thing. Billy, whatever his name is, he's a swing. I think what he is is he adds depth depth to the Packers' offensive line where there have been issues, obviously, for a number of years with a bunch of crappy guys that are backing up guys that get hurt all the time, Brian Brian Balaga. But if you're Denver and you've got to protect Joe Flacco, who is about as mobile as Peyton Manning in his day, you're going to need some studs on that offensive line. And whether you think this guy was good or bad leaving Denver going to Green Bay, you've got to get some assets on that offensive line in Denver. That's a good signing that you just brought up. Scalping the Bears again, which I enjoy all the time. And coincidentally enough, Vic Fangio, the former defensive coordinator, now happens to be the head coach in Denver. But Fangio still needs, and John Elway needs to get some offensive line help before they start this season for damn sure. Yeah, and one of the only bright spots on the line, and I don't know if you saw this, but was their center last year, Matt Parody, and he just went and to just Carolina. Went, that's right. On yeah. a three-year deal, I believe. So, yeah, uh, you're right. That O-line is going to be tough there. I think they still got Ronald Leary, who is really good. But other than that, that's a real question mark. And and that's a great point. To pair that with Flacco, of all people, Yeah, that's a nightmare waiting yeah, this to happen. Isn't, this isn't like... Uh, the kid Kyler Murray with all the running ability. It's not like he's coming to Denver to play quarterback for the Broncos. They're going to have a guy that's going to be back there almost statuesque. Mm -hmm. Joe Flacco has less less mobility than I do. And you're expecting a bunch of, you know, a bunch of ham and eggers to block for him. Good luck, Denver. No, that's going to be tough. Uh, Just real quick, real quick hits here. Some really good signings. Uh, Eagles re-signed cornerback Ronald Darby. One year, 8.5 million. Excellent signing. Cowboys signed defensive tackle Christian Covington, one year, two point five million. Excellent signing, a lot of great prove it uh, deals here. Uh, the Bucks, for some reason, signed their punter to four years, eleven million, with three point six million guaranteed. No idea why. He's not even like a top. It's of, the Glazers. Yeah, well, exactly. We talked about that. They did sign Shaq Barrett, one year, five million. So that that's a good. That's like that's a good one. Uh, Brown signed Kendall Lamb, offensive tackle, two to seven million. Don't know anything about him. Broncos, uh, yeah, their defense, they're putting together a decent defense, but yeah, they re-signed that tight end Jeff Hoyerman, two years, nine million. That makes no sense. And uh, the Bengals signed some guard I've never heard of, John Miller, perfect name, like the most, most boring name possible, three or 16.5. The Bengals have had, are, I, the Bengals might have had the worst offseason I've ever seen in the <laughs> NFL. Like almost every, I think there might have been one signing they had that wasn't a complete nightmare. Like it's it's honestly the worst Worst, worst signings I've ever seen in an offseason. The kid that was the quarterback coach, that's now the head coach, the quarterback coach under Coach McVay in L.A., Zach. Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. He wanted this job in Cincinnati. He got hired after Marvin Lewis. Yeah, he's replacing replacing Marvin Lewis. You brought up a very good point in one of my walks this week about Cincinnati, how much uh, Marvin Lewis has been covering up a lot of crap. For 15 years in Cincinnati. Oh, it's going to be bad. I feel sorry for the Zach... Zach Taylor. Jack Taylor kid. This is his first job. You couldn't have picked a worse spot right now, I don't think, than to be your first-time head coach in National Football League at 32 years of of age. And uh, 
You're going into a mess called the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, that's bad. Okay, yeah, real quick here. I love a couple signings here. Saints bring back Teddy Bridgewater, one year, 7.25. Beautiful, beautiful. He could potentially still be the heir apparent to Drew Brees. He could be, but how do you get to a point, I think, that somewhere along the line, he's going to have to face some live ammo. And Drew Brees is about as, you know, he is just, he doesn't miss games. He's like Brett Favre used to be. Red Favre would play injured, and I think Drew Brees has played a lot of football injured, but it's always at a high level. Teddy Bridgewater is not going to be facing any live ammo in New Orleans, and I think ultimately he's been wasting away. And I understand that. He's collecting a nice check by sitting there holding the clipboard, but pretty soon wouldn't you want to play? Yeah, well, I mean, who knows uh, the status of his knee? His knee was almost ripped off his body. Well, I, get, so I know, I know. Maybe, uh, that's maybe, been three years now. Yeah, so. maybe he can take one more year or whatever. Also, uh, my old friend uh, Tyrod Taylor signed on to be the backup. Two years, $11 million in uh, in L.A. with the Chargers. Yep. And I love that because it goes. It, it's a huge step up from stupid Geno Smith that I can't stand. So good for Tyrod. And, oh, yeah, the Bengals, one they did make that wasn't a complete disaster was signing a cornerback B.W. Webb. Three to thirteen million. Nothing special about that or anything, but at least it's not a complete disaster. Although signing someone from the Giants secondary doesn't exactly uh, get me too excited. And just uh, see if there's any other names. The Giants did sign Golden Tate, uh, and good possession receiver, good guy in the locker room. I mean, it's yeah. Talk about a hot and cold off season for the Giants. Saints signed Malcolm Brown, who's good. And the Bears, I know you don't like Ha Clinton Dix. And as I've said before, he looked really good when Micah Hyde was being complimentary well, sure. with him. Yeah. And so I'm not sure what we're getting. But at, in fairness, one year, $3.5 Pretty good deal for Clinton Dix, though. No question. And uh, But it will be fun. You you had said, and, and you were right, that, that uh, Adrian Amos will be ready for Mitchell Trubisky come opening day. But don't you think Aaron Rodgers is going to be ready for Ha Ha Clinton Dix? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> the one thing we got to really look forward to this year, whether they're playing the game in Green Bay, Chicago, or Mars, is that Aaron Rodgers is going to be throwing into a secondary that includes Haha Clinton Dix. We've got to run on this uh, 327th episode of Unscripted. A lot of things to get to later this week, and we'll get to it. National Hockey League, the NBA, the Mount Rushmore of each team. We want to talk about that, and we'll get to it right after this. But before we do, we've got to sign off. And uh, as I always say, having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.